Hello. Welcome. Today, we're talking about love. And I think Matthew has a story for us. I think so. An uh, abstraction of, of such, but we'll come around to it. I think that seems to be a common theme here as we branch off to all these things and hopefully end up where we wanted to start. Um, so it's from a collection of stories of Frog and Toad, uh, which were all from Arnold Lobel. And uh, I enjoy them because they're very simple, but each of them tends to have uh, some other meaning that you don't have to look too hard to find. So this one's called The Garden, and it goes like this. Frog was in his garden. Toad came walking by. What a fine garden you have, Frog, he said. Yes, said Frog. It is very nice, but it was hard work. I wish I had a garden, said Toad. Here are some flower seeds. Plant them in the ground, said Frog, and soon you will have a garden. How soon, asked Toad. Quite soon, said Frog. Toad ran home. He planted the flower seeds. Now seeds, said Toad, start growing. Toad walked up and down a few times. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head close to the ground and said loudly, now seeds start growing. Toad looked at the ground again. The seeds did not start to grow. Toad put his head very close to the ground and shouted, now seeds start growing. Frog came running up the path. What is all this noise, he asked. My seeds will not grow, said Toad. You are shouting too much, said Frog. These poor seeds are afraid to grow. My seeds are afraid to grow, asked Toad. Of course, said Frog. Leave them alone for a few days. Let the sun shine on them. Let the rain fall on them. Soon your seeds will start to grow. That night, Toad looked out his window. Drat, said Toad. My seeds have not started to grow. They must be afraid of the dark. Toad went out to his garden with some candles. I will read the seeds a story, said Toad. Then they will not be afraid. Toad read a long story to his seeds. All the next day, Toad sang songs to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad read poems to his seeds. And all the next day, Toad played music for his seeds. Toad looked at the ground. The seeds still did not start to grow. What shall I do, cried Toad. These must be the most frightened seeds in the whole world. Then Toad felt very tired, and he fell asleep. Toad, Toad, wake up, said Frog. Look at your garden. Toad looked at his garden. Little green plants were coming up out of the ground. At last, shouted Toad, my seeds have stopped being afraid to grow. And now you will have a nice garden too, said Frog. Yes, said Toad, but you were right, Frog. It is very hard work. The end. Uh, so going directly from that, um, we look at, at love, right, as this, um, uh, maybe this like big umbrella of things, but the base of it is, is very simple. Um, 
starting with like the idea and the story here is that um, love is not this, like I want this from you, you know, I want this, I, uh, this is what I'm expecting, so forth and so on. But maybe the idea of, of nurturing another person or, um, and it takes different forms, but it is based on that selflessness uh, and the patience and understanding that everything does happen in, in time as it's supposed to. Um, so the bigger idea, love being, uh, you know, with no, no amount of selfishness, yet it's so easy for us to have these expectations. But we look at, um, well, let's talk about romantic love, I suppose, uh, to start. Um, which is maybe something I'm not fit to speak about, but maybe that makes me most fit to speak about it. Now, I don't know, but um, folks go into relationships often uh, with this impression of, uh, you know, my other half or things like this, as if everybody has a certain amount of marbles in a bucket, right? And we're on the search for somebody that has the exact amount that would complement us. And I don't suppose that is a healthy way to go about things because if we place that responsibility on another person, they're bound to fall short of the expectation that we've set. Um, whereas instead a way to look at it is individuals that are already complete as individuals uh, to, you know, to the best of our abilities as individuals and where love would be that thing that is not seeds start growing now, you know, I, I've got seeds in the ground, what's going on? Why isn't this working? But instead, um, working on ourselves uh, so that we can be happy and satisfied as individuals that are constantly in support of one another, um, in love with one another, uh, to grow as individuals that come together um, stronger and, and more secured in their confidence again, as, as individuals. So, um, so to look at life separate as, as separateness in that regard, uh, and, and to focus on the selflessness aspect, because in that way, we only want to lift up the people that we're around. Again, it now at this point, it doesn't have to be romantic love. Uh, we could just look at love for every, for all people. Um, that being kind of the bigger, the bigger idea. Uh, we'd mentioned once before in a previous talk that we have these examples of love in our lives, be it uh, a romantic relationship or a parental relationship or a friend relationship, but we have these examples to show us that we know what it is to be selfless, to be forgiving, to be understanding. Uh, maybe so that we can generalize that to other people. Because if we have this gift of love, it's our responsibility to share that with, with other folks. Um, and that's the challenging part. So when we feel challenged to look at these other, these other examples we have and say, what is it to lift up another person? Uh, so for Frog and Toad, or Toad specifically, because Frog already had the nice garden, but for Toad it was it was learning to trust in a process, learning to trust um, that the seeds were doing their thing. And so for him, it was taking his time in spite of his silly banter, but 
taking his time to nurture that growth process of the seeds. So he took the time to sing to them. He took the time to read to them. He took the time to uh, keep a vigil with them because he thought they were afraid so that the seeds may reach their full potential as best they can in the circumstances that they, that they are given. So now we can split that in, into two different, into two different uh, kind of ways to look at it. One is the circumstances, we can influence the circumstances of other people to a degree. Um, and that again is, is our responsibility to act that way. I look at any sort of, uh, I mean, school is, is an interesting thing to think about, uh, particularly elementary school, because maybe it's harder for kids to find the language um, or the understanding of emotions. Uh, I think many children, I could be wrong about this, they think that people feel and, and think exactly, like they think the world is based on their experiences that they have. So it's hard for them to vocalize about something if they think it's something that is commonly understood by all kids. So, um, but children come from many different backgrounds. All people do, but again, let's talk about an elementary school. So if a child comes from a, a place that is not um, an ideal situation at, at home, uh, if you work with children in a school, you have the opportunity to provide a nurturing thing based on, you know, the idea that you get to spend time with them. So your obligation then becomes to help provide a nurturing environment for that. Uh, that being, again, just an example, but it could be in the workplace. It could be simply people we meet on the street. In those instances where souls come together, uh, each individual, but especially those that have some sort of spiritual understanding, uh, you thus have a responsibility to provide a nurturing environment for that soul for as brief or as long as your interaction might be, you know, which is difficult sometimes. Um, I find a, a nice practice to do, um, for me it was in New York City, but it, you could do it in a small town or anywhere, was as I'd walk down the street, if I was feeling overwhelmed or anything like that, as people walked past me in the other direction, in my head, I would just, you know, I love you, 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 and not allowing room for any other thoughts. And eventually you start to kind of develop this love in your heart for everybody that you pass. And so as simple as just smiling to people or saying hello to people, you create a nurturing environment in spite of whatever their circumstances in life might be at that very moment. And so how influential and how beautiful and how grateful we are for that moment in our lives to be able to share that love with other folks. Um, so then the other piece of that was uh, the, the support piece that we'd briefly mentioned before, but to go a little bit further, um, we want everybody to rise to their potential as, as human beings. And we understand that everybody suffers in life and everybody has these uh, things that they work through and, and what have you. This is universally true, but as we interact with people, not necessarily in romantic relationships, but more importantly in romantic, not more importantly, but to be stressed further in romantic relationships. Uh, and I'll talk about that 
after um, is to want to lift each other up. I think many times we get stuck in the cycle of emotions and with that comes like a pride and arrogance and the themes that we speak of, of often here. But to cast that aside so that we can help others to their potential because then in return, it's, it is helping us to our potential of how to be loving and, and to give and to support. Uh, and then we all grow together. So to go back to romantic love, uh, and forgive me if I'm being too bold about this here, but often it is, from my experience, uh, I could be wrong about all of this, but romantic love in the beginning has these like the blinders of, uh, of our desires that we seek to be satisfied. So to see romantic love in this light, uh, you say, what am I seeking in this? You know, am I, oh boy. So where do I start? Uh, let's say somebody, you know, I, I have the idea of I'm, looking for somebody to mate with, you know? And so it presents me with the opportunity to paint a picture of myself that is untrue um, because I want this person to be attracted to me. So I've got to say all the right things. I've got to let them think that I'm the coolest person ever. And so in a way, I'm not being honest. I'm not being truly myself. Uh, I use the word myself loosely, but I'm not being true. I'm saying everything that's great about me and why, you know, I should, this person should be attracted to me. I'm, I want to draw them in, um, which already I've started on a dishonest platform, but I've also, again, I've, I've left that room for disappointment because I will not be able to, to upkeep that forever, you know, because I've already started on, on this dishonest place. Uh, but then you look at how the relationship then would develop. Why do I say that I love this other person? Is it because they're kind to me all the time? Is it uh, because they satisfy my physical desires? Because they satisfy my emotional desires? Because, um, you know, they're constantly filling this little hole that I think that I have. And when they don't do it, that's when arguments begin. When I'm not getting the things that I think that I need, you know, is, is when disappointment comes and when frustration comes and jealousy and lusts and all of these other whirlwind of things that are just, just super wild. Um, so more important than to find somebody, if we're talking about romantic love here, that you feel an inclination to want to uplift them and have a, a strong set of values that are so important in this rather than something that is built on wanting to, to satisfy desires. Uh, sorry, I'm going to take a drink of water. I, I'm talking way more than I, <laughs> I anticipated about this. Wow. You're, you're on a roll and I, I, I thoroughly appreciate it. And I mean, you're certainly, yeah, you, you, it's a beautiful sentiment and, and cultivating that um, cultivating that love for others. Uh, like you said, in the first part, which is cultivating, you know, what you might call unconditional love, which would be, 
you know, that love for others and that wishing them well and that desire to see um, others reach their potential and be fulfilled in the ways that they need to be fulfilled and be safe and and and, and nourished uh, in all ways. Cultivating that, um, you know, in mass um, is is a beautiful thing. And, and as as it kind of seeps into your awareness and into your experience, at least in my experience, and, and it. And I think in, in yours as well, like as, as that kind of unconditional love for people permeates your, your vibe, <laughs> uh, it gets great. Uh, life, it's beautiful. Like life gets wonderful and, and, um, and you, and you just can't help but, but be engaging with people, uh, and, and you both enjoy it. And, and I think that can be felt right. Like that energy can be felt. Um, what comes to mind is this very interesting in, in Italian. I learned this recently in Italian is, is two ways to say, I love you. Well, I guess two main ways to say, I love you. Um, and the classic ti amo, which is, you know, the same as Spanish pretty much. That's more of a romantic love. Um, you know, maybe a committed relate like r- romantic relationship love. Um, but the more common kind of familial love and, and just like general, like friend love and, and that sort of thing is uh, te voglio bene. And te voglio bene um, really means I want you well or I wish you well. Um, and that's how you'd say, that's what you'd say to your friends or you'd say to your family. That's what you'd say to to really any anyone in that way. And and I, le- I learned about that recently. I think it, And I think it kind of, it kind of splits right down the middle of the two types that you were talking about, where there's this, this sense of, you know, you know, unconditional may, may be a, um, you know, for many that, that may be something that can be approached. It's a practice, right? Conditions abound perhaps. Um, but, but yeah, that, that sense of unconditional love for, for fellow man and woman and, and, and living creature and everything um, and the, the world, um, that, that can, when placed or, you know, placed when placed at the, at, at the core of, of some, uh, personal philosophy and or approach to life, um, makes everything sparkle with, with a magic and, uh, and a verve that, um, that's quite nice. And there's, and then taking that, kind of unconditional mass love for for everything into the individual domain into your interactions with a single person and placing that as as you said i'm just kind of reiterating i guess but kind of making that the the cornerstone of 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 maybe a, an individual relationship you have or or a, a significant other or a romantic relationship is making making sure that what you really feel for this person is, is the desire to like elevate them and see them elevated more than your desire to see them elevated, perhaps even more than your desire to be the one elevating them. Um, and, and then stepping in and being the one elevating them because you're, that's in your power and, and it brings you joy and it brings them joy. And, um, 
Yeah. Because you mentioned, like, you know, you have a certain number of marbles and you're, and you're looking for somebody to complement the marbles perfectly. Um, and in that, in that metaphor, it, it doesn't leave room for, um, for the fact that your marbles change size and number over time. Uh, you know, that, that you swap marbles out, that you don't always have the same shaped container for those marbles. Um, and, and like a real loving relationship, a real like nourishing partnership, I think. Um, and, you know, and, and I, I, I carry the same disclaimer that you do, uh, <laughs> which is, you know, who knows, who knows, maybe I'm off, but a real nourishing partnership, romantic partnership seems, seems to be, um, to leave room for that kind of thing. Interestingly, what comes to mind is railroad tracks. <laughs> uh, railroad tracks and the construction of them I was learning about recently, which is interesting. So you ever seen railroad tracks? You have railroad ties, big wooden blocks um, laid down. And then the, tra- the, the rails, the, the tracks are actually, you know, attached to these railroad ties and they run along. Um, and the, the, the rails and the ties are attached to each other there, you know, they're, and then the, but, but they're attached to each other quite loosely. Um, they're, they're coupled to each other with these kind of metal hooks, but there's some wiggle room there. Uh, and the, the railroad ties themselves, the wooden blocks that are kind of framing the whole thing, they're just kind of sitting in gravel, like the gravel, you know, it's some specific type of gravel and it's put into a shape and then those ties are laid in there. So the ties in the whole railroad track itself is not secured to the ground in any meaningful, like stable way. They're just kind of sitting in there. Um, And that's because when the giant train comes rolling through, if that track didn't have the freedom to give a little wiggle a little and, and kind of work with the weight of the train, they would, they would break immediately um, from the stress and from the, 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 the pressure of that train coming through. And that, that, that came to mind. And there's some, there's some metaphor in there to, to the, the, the train tracks of, of relating with other humans or, or channels of communication and allowing for some working with the pressures and, and weight of that maybe, maybe come along with, with any sort of, uh, you know, human to human relationship. Absolutely. And if you look at what, um, I, it's a beautiful, uh, beautiful analogy. Um, and to, I guess it's uh, reiterate what you were saying in slightly different words um, is where, where we do get stuck in a way that is rigid. It's because we have these, these expectations and in a way that is what causes, you know, it causes strife, it causes disappointment. It causes all of these things because what we want, we're not getting. And so, you know, uh, we're angry, we're disappointed and, so having that as the basis of it, having something that is so rigid and so stuck um, is definitely, it's yeah, bound to break at some point. I mean, we look at the beginning of that uh, little story we started with and, 
you know, where Toad began was like, you know, grow. And then he's disappointed that the seeds aren't growing. It's like, well, because all you're doing is hollering because you're not getting what you, what you wanted. Um, so building a, that different sort of um, platform or that different foundation in what love is to learn to love others uh, selflessly before we can really hone in on another person maybe, or, you know, uh, looking at a romantic relationship and saying, you know, this is now my, this is my path. I'm going to learn from this and I'm going to grow from this rather than I'm just going to take and take and take and take. And, and then when I don't get what I want, I'm going to go look somewhere else for it. Um, maybe that's not the healthiest way to go about it. Uh, again, forgive me if I'm being too bold there. I'm not, you know, just, uh, no, should, you know, should, should is a strong word, but, but it should be, it can be used. It can, it can be used. And, and, uh, I don't, I don't think, uh, anyone will hold, hold it against you for, for having some opinions around, uh, potentially harmful patterns in relationships. I appreciate that. Uh, and I try not to speak of it from a place of ignorance, but also just having spoken to many people either in healthy romantic relationships, having observed healthy romantic relationships, also having observed, experienced, and spoken to people in unhealthy relationships. And I, you become aware that in the unhealthy ones, uh, this is why I use the word should, um, because it, it's damaging and Oftentimes, one person, uh, there's not, not an equal leveling. There's no humility in it. It's, it's a one person kind of dominating a situation. And I see the damaging effects in both, both realms, but especially on, on the one being uh, treated poorly. And it creates this feeling that they are not good enough and that... Um, they're undeserving of, of love. And, and that's very, very sad. Uh, so we spoke before about how ideally we should lift each other up and, and love is not one that would push people down and, and around and leave them feeling worse off than when they started in the same regard though, uh, kind of like a presupposition to all of this is the idea of not getting in, to relationships if you are not feeling that you know you're worthy of love because again then we're we're looking at that circumstance where people are just trying to satisfy each other's needs and and that is you know that's just maybe a eventually going to to lead in in failure and disappointment and, and anger so that's why i use such a strong word as as this is the way it should be but so forgive me for that, but it, it seems so foundational and so fundamental is just to see love as, as a process, as a difficult thing, as something that we work towards and, um, and then generalize that ex experience and just fill our hearts with love for everybody. Very important. Absolutely. They can often be rooted in that. 
that individual experience, like you said. And, um, and there's, there's two people in a relationship that are actually, you know, in a relationship with themselves. And, and you mentioned in the, like earlier that there can be a, a deceptive element to kind of showing the best of themselves to, to attract a person or bring them into, into, you know, liking you and, um, you know, that, that sort of thing. And, and then the, what you just touched on now is, is the, the self-deceptive element, right? Um, convincing, convincing oneself that you are X, Y, and Z, or you have this trait or that trait, or you like this or that. And, and there's people, um, and, and certainly, certainly me included that, that, you know, are kind of li- living with these self-deceptions constantly that can then skew their perception of the kind of relationship they deserve, the kind of relationship they have, um, you know, the, what, even, even things as basic as things they like doing and don't like doing just to, to kind of mold themselves into, um, you know, some, some, someone that, that they think perhaps is more deserving of love. And the funny thing is all of this mental gymnastics that is played in these circumstances is really, I mean, I I can't speak for everybody, but maybe, and because it's become so commonplace, uh, it's really just a means of, of having our desire satisfied. So we develop these elaborate schemes of, you know, painting ourselves in a certain light, dressing a certain way, acting a certain way, to attract a mate, which is like, you know, I don't know, maybe a little silly. Uh, and we, on a side, side note, um, well, <laughs> it's, it is, I'm trying to think, there's something I'm thinking about saying, but <laughs> maybe it's not appropriate. So uh, I think it's a great reason to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Maybe as a bystander, uh, looking at those situations, um, and somebody that's guilty of this in, in my own life, um, but to look at it as like taking a step back, and it's just so, so foolish. Like, oh my goodness, you know, I like the way that you wear your hair. Uh, that's an attractive reason for me to want to mate with you. And like, you know, it's just, it seems silly to me. Uh, and I, I don't mean to see that that's wrong with me. I shouldn't have said it's silly, but when you look at it that way, you realize how superficial, um, that whole, that whole culture of, of just wanting to use other people for the satisfaction of our insecurities, our desires. Uh, and, but I don't know, that was, uh, inappropriate maybe. Um, <laughs> Well, there's, you know, there can certainly be surface level judgments of others. Um, and, and on, you know, in, on, in some lens there, um, we're mammals and there is some biological imperative to keep things going, um, and make more of us. And so that, that mating drive is not a weak, it's not a weak force. Uh, that's, that's a, that's a deep, uh, a deep set 
uh, you know, dr- biological drive to, to, um, you know, collect, collect cool genes and propagate them forward into the future. Do you mean cool as in like, if I wear my cool jeans, I'll find someone to propagate with? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, <laughs> uh, cool, cool as in whatever that means to you, right? Like there's, you know, some, I, I use that, I use that as my catch all term for, for, um, subjective, uh, judgment based, um, <laughs> But judgment-based situations where you're like, you know, if you think it's cool, like, do, do it. <laughs> so, and, and well, what I really mean by that, I guess, is is there is there is this animal like biological like let's mate and make babies and keep things going and and have sex because that that's awesome and, and feels great and and there's purpose behind it. Um, but well, hang on a second. <laughs> let's see. That's another conversation for another time. Uh, I think, unfortunately, I got another uh, minute or two before I've got to run for call number two. But um, (laughs) because no matter how we look at that picture, right, lust is lust. And if we are living in a way that is selfless or ideally living in a way that is selfless in in a true and I use that word very intentionally in a true love where we do not have a self-seeking means about it and where we want to uplift other people and so forth and so on. We have to acknowledge that lust is a desire that gets in the way. Now, sure, it can be said that, you know, but um, we have a deeper connection that way. Fine, say what you'd like about it. But the idea of it is that either way, it's, if we are seeking to satisfy a, a physical desire, is that love or is that procreation? And how can we separate the two? You know, uh, it's a fine line to talk. And again, I, I don't think we have the time to fully dive into that one, but, but we'll have to, I just we'll feel do obligated love, to we'll mention. Do love, we'll do love part two, uh, subtitle sex uh, <laughs> next time. Yeah, maybe we'll do lust part one next time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but yeah, I, I think as far as, um, unfortunately, wrapping this up, um, it's important to recall that uh, we must share with one another. And I can't speak for everybody, but I've been, if we're given gifts, right, it, we are called to, to share them with others to better ourselves, our community, the people around us, the world. Um, and I've been given such a gift of, of selfless love. I look at um, my parents and uh, they have shown me what that is. And so as an individual, I find that if I have that gift of, of what this thing is, like I feel obligated to share that with everybody um, just because like, you know, I would hope folks would share with me if they felt I, I needed something. And in that way, maybe some people don't have that, example um and we need to show other people that this is it is possible to to live for others and and well maybe i'll quote uh 1 corinthians uh 13 4 through 8 it's uh, that love is patient love is kind it does not envy it does not boast it is not proud it does not dishonor others it is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. 
Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails, but where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there is knowledge, it will pass away. Um, and so to remember that as, as the foundation of what true love is, is that it is not self-seeking, it, it is patient, it is kind, uh, it does not boast, it is humility, love is selflessness, love is uh, true compassion, love does not seek uh, mating behavior, love, that is not, that is lust, and that is a separate, separate conversation. Uh, so let's, you know, I don't know, try and, and foster that within ourselves and, and with other people. Um, but James, I think I've, I've got to use the phone again. So I've yes. got to, to run from you. I'm so sorry to, to disappear so quickly today. Not, not at all. Go, go forth and, and uh, communicate. <laughs> uh, and I love you, brother. I, I, I love you. I truly do. <laughs> I, I, I have much, much love uh, for you. And uh, I appreciate you uh, calling in. So enjoy your call and, and we'll talk next week. Thanks, James. God bless you, brother. Take care. All right.